I want to ask you to do something. Would you take your right hand, put it over your heart, and I want you to say this with me. I am blessed and highly favored. I am blessed and highly favored. One more time all the way through. I am blessed and highly favored. That's how you know that he's going to work it out for you. Because to him, to him, in his eyes, you are blessed and you are highly favored. Now, I know we hear that. Some of us can say, but preacher, you don't know me. You don't know my rabbit trails. You don't know. You don't know me. I don't. But he does. And if you have at some point in your life opened your heart up and received Jesus Christ into your heart as your Savior and Lord, part of you, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That doesn't make any change in the fact. That because of the, the reality that you have received Christ into your heart as your Savior and Lord to be forgiven. He doesn't have to die on the cross again in order to be enabled to forgive us of the things we're going to do today or tomorrow. He died one time for the sins of the whole world. He took care of everything that we would do, say, think, that violated his heart, that would be sin in his eyes. Jesus died for all of our sins once and for all. And as a result of that, you and I are forgiven. We are forgiven. We are forgiven. We are forgiven because in his eyes, in his eyes, we are blessed and highly favored, highly favored, blessed and highly favored. Now, I want to just challenge you to stay with me as we walk back through what the Apostle Paul said about who you are to the Father, who I am to Jesus. If that drops 18 inches, if that moves into the depth of who you are, and you begin to understand, not on the basis of what you did or have done, tried to do, right, wrong, or indifferent, but on the basis of what God in Christ has done for you. And it settles in, I am blessed. And I am highly favored. It won't matter who walks out of your life. It won't matter what has come against you or is coming against you in, sense of, in the sense of defining you. You are not what has happened to you. You are not those who have walked out of your life. You are blessed. And you are highly favored. <laughs> Because of God's love and care for you. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 3. The Apostle Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons, as children in the family, through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will 
to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Now, we'll just stop right there. Back up. Back up with me. Just as he chose us in him, chose us in Christ, God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Before there was ever dirt that the Alamo was built on, you were chosen by God the Father to be his child. It wasn't that you chose him first. And on the basis of you choosing him first, he then needed to decide whether or not he loved you enough to take you into the family. The opposite is the truth. He chose you before you ever knew him. He chose you before you were ever born. He chose you before your mother ever knew you were coming. He chose you before the foundation of the world, not just to be a human, not just to be an inhabitant of the earth. Look at this. He predestined us to the adoption of, as sons, as daughters, as children through Christ according to the kind intention of his will. He chose you to be adopted into his family. Let me tell you what that means, that word. It's a significant word that the Apostle Paul uses here. It's loaded. It's loaded. To be adopted into the family in the sense that this is spoken of means that all of the privileges that that particular family can convey on any of its participants becomes the privilege, the possession, the treasure of the one who is adopted into that family. They're not treated as stepchildren. They're not treated as second class. Nobody has always been in the family of God. That's why this is spoken here. Adopted into the family. Nobody was born right with God or stayed in the place of being right with God. The human, the innocence of a child and a family, yes. But the choices that have been made along the way that all of us have made have, have, have proven that our hearts, until the Lord changes our hearts, are going to go our own way. We're going to be selfish and, and live in a place that is foreign to the heart of God. So we have to be, if we're going to be in the family of God, every one of us have to be adopted. Adopted into the family. That's what I was saying. Nobody is naturally born into this family. No matter, no matter who it is. Mother Teresa, president of the Southern Baptist Convention, the Pope, nobody, nobody is automatically right with God. Everyone is born a sinner. Born, everyone has committed sin. Everyone needs a Savior. And that's Jesus who is a Savior. Okay. But in order for us to come to know Jesus as our Savior, something's got to happen on the inside of us to understand that we need a Savior, that, that, that we need to be forgiven. And that's where it takes the work of the Spirit of God who has already chosen us before we were ever born to be a part of the family of God the Spirit of the Lord works, begins that work inside to show us we need Jesus. Why do we need Jesus? Because we need his blood to atone for our sins. It's not enough just to turn over a new leaf and just start and starting again to try to live morally. We, we've got a criminal record. We've got a, we, we've got a spreadsheet morally before the Lord. But the good news is that Jesus, when he died on the cross, with you in mind, you hadn't been born yet, but he knew you. You hadn't done anything right or wrong yet, but he knew you would need a Savior. With you on his mind, with you on his mind, he went through those hours in Gethsemane. He was nailed to the cross, and his blood was poured out. With you in mind, because you had already been chosen but there was going to need to be forgiveness of the sins that you and I would commit in order for us to be received into the family of God. It means that all of the privileges that go along with being a member 
of the family of God are conveyed to the new ones who are adopted. But here's what it also means. It means that there comes to be the working inside of the one adopted into the family. Wonderfully important, powerful truth. There comes to be the likeness, a similarity, a likeness with the father as you are brought into that family. That it's, it, it, there's, a, there's, a, there's a family similarity. I, I've noticed this, and you have too, I'm sure, over, over the years. You, you can run into somebody that you don't know their last name. You don't know where they live. But you meet them in a church service, or you, or you walk by their table, and they've prayed to thank the Lord for a meal in a public restaurant, and something in your heart gets blessed by just seeing a family with their hands held, bowing and thanking the Lord. And you walk by their table, they're through praying, they got a, they got a fork full of enchilada or something, and you walk by and you just say, thank you for praying. It blessed me to see you blessed and thanking the Lord for your food. And the minute you connect with their eyes, it's like you're looking into the eyes of somebody you've known all your life. It's the family connection. It's the family of Jesus connection. Where'd that start? That started in the heart of God desiring you. That started in the heart of God delighting in you. It started in the heart of God wanting you, desiring a relationship with you. And willing to do whatever it would take to win you. Amen? To win you. Some of us, it took more than others to get one. But he didn't quit. He didn't stop. We chased off all kinds of people. We, we said bad things and, 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 and shown, showed by our actions that we wanted nothing to do with what they're talking about. But some way or another, the relentless heart of heaven kept pursuing us. So finally, we came to realize, unless I have help with my life, I'll drive it off a cliff. Unless somebody helps me, I'm without help. And then there's that, behold, I stand at the door and knock, Jesus said. If anybody hears my voice, and opens the door, I will come into them and dine with them and then with me. Somewhere along the line, we, we, we heard that soft knock or maybe a loud knock at the door of our heart. And it wasn't God in general. It was Jesus Christ in particular that came to be known by you, revealed to you by the work of the Spirit to your heart. That he is the savior you need. He is the rescuer you need. And he is, beyond all of that, he is the lover of your soul. The lover of your soul. Why, folks, listen, why should we anticipate? Why should we expect, as we look toward the future, that God would surprise us with good things, that God would surprise us with his blessings? Why would we have any, any confidence that in the things that we're going through, God will work it out? Where does that come from? I mean, is that just a dream? Is that just a wish? Is that a hope? No, listen, it's anchored. It's anchored. It's anchored in the truth of your word. You were chosen by him before the foundation of the world. He chose what he desired. He, he, he chose what he delighted in. You, you, don't, you don't pick out something that you don't really want. You were handpicked. You were handpicked. You were handpicked. You didn't come to know Jesus. You didn't find the Lord. He has always had you. He just made himself known to you. Known to you. And if he has chosen you, if he's picked you out, then it would stand to reason that when you, his blessed and highly favored one, cry out. 
that your voice is different than the sound of any other voice that might be coming up. He knows you. He hears your voice. He hears your voice. We have three grandsons in our family, Shirley and I. We've been in the the grandparent business for a little over five years now. Blanton is our oldest. He's about to turn six. Samuel is the middle one, and he just turned two. The youngest one is a little guy named Silas, and he's about 20 months, 22 months mainly. Silas seldom has anything but a diaper on. He's got plenty of other clothes. They're going to come off of him, shoes, shirt. And here's what Silas will do. He's figured out where stuff he really likes is stored. If he runs out in his bottle, he'll go to the refrigerator. He's got one word that covers everything that's important to him. Mower. Mower. But it's only spelled by M-O. Mow. Mow. He'll stand in front of the refrigerator. Mow, 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 mow. If he'll walk over to the jar of cookies, and he'll stand there and look at it with his hand out, mow, 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 mow. Now, Grandpa, Grandfather, whom he calls Pops, Pops, that's how they all they got, got a lisp with that, Pops. If Pops hears him saying, mow, mow, Mo, Pops, because Silas, in my eyes, is blessed and highly favored. I'm going to leave the football game. I'm going to leave wherever I was, and I'm going to come in there to answer the cry. Mo, Mo, Mo. Now, you know, my problem can be is after I've handed him the sixth cookie, filled up the bottle for the fourth time, as little old tongue, I'm, I'm having to realize we need to move on to some other mo. Here, we can't keep doing this. The point is, why does that little boy's voice stand out to me more than any other little voice of those three little grandsons? Why, why is that voice something that, that, that I'm going to stop everything else and zero in on? It's because in my eyes, he is blessed and highly favored. Do, do, do you get the correlation there? You, you, are, you are Silas. And when you say mo, more, when, when you're crying out if it's in pain, crying out if it's in need, crying out if it's even in a desire, you know, the little boy, he's not going to starve to death, I can promise you, boy, by dark. It's not about survival. It's about something that he would have desire. But my heart is bent to hear the cry, to hear the sound of the voice of that little child. You are that little child to your father. Jesus would say, unless you become like a little child, you, you, you'll only hear about the kingdom. You'll only read about it, or, but, but you won't experience it unless you become like a little child. Jesus would say, you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Father who is in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who are asking him, present, active, indicative, continuously asking. What are they asking for? Mo? Mo? Mo. And instead of us getting to the place where we feel like we're supposed to be so spiritually mature that just the knowledge of Scripture and theology and, and a history in the church and religious practices, that, that's enough to carry us. No, it's not. All of the habits and all of the rituals and all of the self-determination can dry up in the soul of a man or woman 
And we need more of his spirit, more of his life. And the reason we have boldness and confidence when we pray is because we understand that in his eyes, by his grace, by his mercy, by his choosing of me, I am blessed and highly favored. The enemy wants you to say, no, you've messed up so many times. You've gone off the, fallen off the wagon so many times. You're not blessed. You're cursed. You're not highly favored. You're greatly despised. But the truth of the word of God about you is that it is who we are in Christ that counts. It is not that our, our experience and our bad choices and the things that have caused us to turn away from where we know we need to be, that those are not the things that define us. Those are not the things that have the ultimate say. That which has the ultimate say is have you given your heart to Jesus? Are, are you in Christ and is he in you? Meaning, have you opened your heart up to receive him into your heart? Lord, I open the door of my heart. I receive you. I receive you. You know what you're getting when you get me. I'm not coming to you a finished product. I'm not coming to you with all the imperfections worked out. One of the most amazing prayers that David, it's not even... In the Psalms, it's in Second Samuel, where he where he will he will say the Lord has pronounced, has spoken this covenant through Nathan the prophet to him about blessing David throughout the generations to follow from his life, and and uh, that one of his sons, it would be Solomon, would build a house, would be the, would build a temple. But here's how David responded to that that expression of the Lord's favor, that declaration of the Lord's favor. But God, you know me. God, you know me. You know what I'm capable of for, for, for weakness and for inconsistency and even for sin. But still, still, you make this declaration of your favor toward me. I'm unworthy of it. I'm undeserving of it. I don't, in on my own strength, I, I, can't, I can't live up to it. But I choose to accept what you say about me, that I am blessed. I'm blessed. And I am highly favored. I'm highly favored. I'm highly favored. There can be folks who hate you. There can be circumstances that seem to be expressing that your fate has to go in an opposite direction of this favor and blessing. But somehow within your spirit, within your spirit, there is another voice that talks to you. And regardless of what people say, regardless of what circumstances or medicine would say, there's within your heart that celebratory shout, I am blessed and I am highly favored. I'm going to say to you sickness, I'm going to say to you people, I'm going to say to you circumstances, on the authority of the word of God, I stand blessed and highly favored. Let me show you, show you a, uh, a passage that, that deals with the complications of us Christians suffering. We think, well, because if I'm blessed and highly favored, then I ought to be able to walk free of the things that would seem to be difficult and sad. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If I can find it once again, the verse is moving around in my Bible. There it is. This is Paul. Now listen to what he, what he writes. Because of the surpassing greatness, verse 7, 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, because of the surpassing greatness of what God was showing me, much of which would be communicated more than likely in the scriptures that he wrote. 
because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I entreated the Lord. I begged the Lord. Another way to say the word entreat. I, I begged the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Now, I believe when he says three times, I don't think that's three times in succession. Lord, take it, Lord, take it, Lord, take it, Lord, take it. I believe he's mean three seasons of time. There was one point in time we prayed when it first hit. He prayed. Nothing happened. No change. Still there. Maybe another period of time passed. He asked the Lord again. Another period of time passed. He asked the Lord again. He kept asking the Lord to remove the thorn in the flesh until the Lord spoke to him. Verse 9, and he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Significant word. He's saying, I don't want, the, after I heard what the Lord said to me, that, his, that power is perfected in weakness. I don't want the Lord's power just to visit me, just to touch me, just to alleviate a burden or a need for a moment. I want the power of Christ to dwell in me, not just to visit me, not just to touch me, but I want the power of Christ to dwell, to live, to inhabit, to stay in me. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Paul saw as something better. He understood it more clearly now something greater, further, more in the heart of God for him than for him to be healed immediately, physically of that situation. The touch and the power is gone, and that sense is gone. But here he's saying, I want that power not just to visit me. I want that power to live in me. And it would be from that place of the resident power of the exalted Christ that he would pray for the sick and the sick would get healed. He would pray even for the dead to be raised and the dead would be raised. He carried about that which was working in him that kept him from exalting himself. The remaining presence of this thorn in the flesh kept him humbled, but it meant that the power of the living Jesus would find as its greatest backdrop weakness, weakness, and not wellness. Can I say that again? That's exactly what he's saying. The drop bar, backdrop for the resident, the dwelling presence of the resurrection power of Jesus is weakness, not necessarily wellness. Does that mean we're not supposed to pray to, pray to get well? Pray that the Lord would heal us? Absolutely. Paul prayed three times. He prayed until the Lord spoke to him. And gave him more truth to deal with. That's where we need to be. You keep praying, keep trusting, believing, Lord, believing you to heal. As long as there is that faith that, that works in your heart to call forth from the Lord the full measure of what you're believing that he is able to do, you keep doing it. But there can come a time when the Lord will say, I'm allowing you to remain physically weak so that my supernatural resurrection power will stay in you, reside in you. And from that place, you pray for others. From that place, you preach to others. From that place, you write these letters that have lasted all these 2,000 years. Okay? Now, that, that's, that, that, that's not going to be for some lightweight. I'll just date Jesus and see if I like him. This is if... There is that sense, I'm understanding and I'm receiving. I don't, I, I don't deserve it, but I'm receiving it. That I 
am blessed and I am highly favored because the Lord chose me. Jesus died for me, raised from the dead so that I could be forgiven. His spirit is working to strengthen me. I am blessed. I am blessed because of who lives in me. I'm blessed because my sins are forgiven. I'm blessed because the God of all creation chose me, picked me out because he wanted me. Folks, listen, I'm telling you, you live this life long enough and you'll have people walk out of your life. You'll have people tell lies about you. You'll have people do a, do a 180 and, and, and all of the things that can happen with people, people, people. Somewhere there's got to be this steadfast, glorious, living artesian well that is able to turn your voice, your ears away from those other things and be able to say to yourself, as you walk into their presence, as you walk through the circumstances, just maybe not physically you can do it, but this, I am blessed and I'm highly favored. I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. I'm blessed and I'm highly favored because God picked me out. He chose me. I am his and he is mine and his banner over me is love. Now, folks, what I'm saying to you may not be something brand new in the sense of hearing it. But one of the surprises, God's surprises that he may just want to bless you with today as you hear this is a fresh revelation to your heart of how chosen, priceless, precious, valued you are to Paul, even though he would say, I've got a glory and I have these things that I've still got to walk through, these insults, these persecutions, these difficulties for Christ's sake. But for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. He would still say, folks, listen, he would still say, even though that thorn in the flesh is still there, he would deal, would deal with it till the day he died, evidently. But he would say, I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. Distresses, persecutions, hard times, hard places. When the Lord makes his presence known and he, and he explained to Paul, here's what's going on. I've got more revelation to give you. Therefore, I need to, you need to stay humble so that you won't be exalting in yourself. The reason that's coming to you, Paul, is because you are blessed. Even though you're in prison, even though you're miles away from family and friends and churches, you are blessed and you are highly favored. Blessed and highly favored. Now, folks, is that, if that's true, then you and I need to live like it. If it's true that I am blessed, not cursed, if it's true that I'm highly favored, not greatly disappointed in, then you and I need to face our days that way. Make our choices in that fashion. And for goodness sake, don't minimize and shrink our requests to the one who is saying you were blessed and highly favored. Stand in front of that refrigerator. Mo, mo, mo. Stand in front of that jar. Mo, mo, mo. So that's corny. Well, how's it working for you like you're doing it? Huh? I'm not, I know that sounded mad. I'm really not mad at anybody. I know that sounded mad. But I believe it, I believe it's the truth. How is this, how is this sophistication of our relationship, attempt to sophisticate our relationship with the Lord working? Or do you have a sense that when your heart cries out and it keeps crying out, that you have evidence upon evidence upon evidence upon evidence that the Father came out of heaven? and met your need. Hallelujah. 
took care of you. I'm going to tell you, this thing about signs and wonders being a thing of the past or signs and wonders being something that only happens once in a great while, that's just, that theory is blown to smithereens by ones who understand I am blessed and highly favored. Therefore, the heavens are open to me. It's not that it gives me excuse to live selfishly and, and, and refuse to repent when I've committed a sin, or refuse to apologize when I need, I owe somebody an apology for just being selfish and wrong. It's not an excuse. I'm, I'm, I'm favored. I'm highly, I'm highly favored. You're highly favored, and you've grieved the Holy Spirit who has the ability to bless and reassure. Nathan would say, the prophet to David, after David had come clean with his sin with Bathsheba, and, and, and or actually it was during the, the point where he was confronted with that sin. And Nathan was speaking for the Lord, and he lists all these things that the Lord had done for David as the king. They've given him a large family, expanded the borders, given them safety. And, and, and one line, one short phrase in, in one of the lines, the, the Lord says, and how much more would I have done for you? How much more would I have done? But your sin got in the way. Your choices caused me to. I mean, you know, a little, little old Silas, mo, 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 mo. But if he's just, if he's just taking one of those cookies or something and, and, and throwing them in the direction of somebody, I, I'd say, wait a minute. We, I can't, you're not getting another one of those things. And t- I mean, I, have you ever tried to reason with a 20-month-old? They'll outsmart you every time, every time. But, but, but the, the, wrongs, the wrongs can cause there to be a diminishing of the flow of the blessing of the Lord on our hearts. But when this has been made real to us, that in the sight of God who loved me when I didn't deserve to be loved, I'm blessed and highly favored because of what he's done to me. Instead of that turning into something that just gives you license to go crazy, the opposite is the truth. I didn't deserve his mercy in the first place. I didn't deserve his kindness in the first place. I will return. I will return to my God. I will return to the Lord. There's something about knowing who you really are to the Lord that can keep you with, with, a, with some of those invisible magnetic forces just drawn back into his heart. But folks, if the devil has convinced you you're cursed, if the devil has convinced you you're not worth anything, if the devil is lied to say, well, that was something that happened back then, but you've, you've messed up all these other years, and you never listen to the truth, you only listen to the devil and the accuser working you over, and his goal is to push you into further defeat, to push you into further feelings of worthlessness and uselessness. It's just me. I'm by myself. When Jesus had said, I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will come to you. I'm talking to maybe some folks who are hearing this today. I know maybe about it. I believe it's true. The devil has just said, though, there was a season in your life when you walked with the Lord and you really believed that you'd received him as Savior and Lord, but then some things have come along and some choices that you followed, and it can be as if you, you can feel like you're a million miles away. And the voice of the enemy to your heart is, it's too late for you to turn around. It's too, you're too far gone. To, God wouldn't have anything to do with you. He's a liar. And he will tell a lie just like it's the truth. He knows how to push your buttons to convince us of falsehood. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus is saying, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. He, he, he doesn't leave. We can seem and make our, take our steps to walk away from him, but there's a returning. When there's a returning back to him, it, it's that story of the prodigal son coming back to the father, Amen. that the father threw a celebration when the son came home. He didn't send him to prison for six months or, or, or strip all of his, his right to claim the name of the family. No, he didn't do that. He said, you go get that fat steer calf out yonder and get the fire going and we're going to butcher that that calf and and we're going to have a party because my son who was dead 
has come home. Come back, come home, come home. The truth is, the truth is, even though you may smell like hell, the truth is you are blessed and you are highly favored. Not because of what you or I have done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. I can say these words and stomp my foot and you all can say amen, but it's only by means of the Spirit of the Lord right now to convince some folks that it's the truth. But when that happens, as that happens, there's a freeing that comes and there's a bringing you back to the Lord who loved you, saved you, had, had you in his heart before you were ever born. There, there's, a, it, there's a returning when those words, though they seem so, so outlandish, so unfitting in the light of choices that we've made in years maybe of our lives that we've, uh, it's, you just speak it. You speak it in the name of Jesus because of what Jesus has done for me. I am blessed and I am highly favored. I am blessed, meaning there's forgiveness for my sins. Highly favored, meaning I can talk to my father. And he'll hear me. And he'll hear me. He'll hear me. I got to tell you a story. Shirley and I were invited this last week to go to a, a prayer meeting that was involving a number of different congregations in San Antonio. This was known as a Catholic charismatic church. Catholic charismatic church. Somebody heard that and said, I didn't even know they make those. <laughs> but yes, yes, in this city, a warm-hearted priest who's assigned to that spot loves Jesus, speaks of the power of the blood of the cross, the power of the resurrection, the power of the Spirit to shape and change a heart and a life. It was, it was wonderful. And, um, and the group was there to pray. And so there was some, there was some the word was taught, spoken on, and, and then there were opportunities for folks to pray and to give testimony. One of the ladies who got up to speak, we, we knew her and her husband from some years back. But she, she got up and she said, I just feel like the Lord wants me to tell you something. She said, when I was a student in college, 1974, anybody in here alive then, you know, 1974, you'll remember something of what was going on in the country at that time. And there were still the winds of the Jesus movement still working across the country. She was at a university in a northern state, an unbeliever, but she had some friends who um, invited her to go to a conference at a football stadium, at the local football stadium, university football stadium up there. Well, you know, she decided to go. Um, and not, not necessarily, she just wanted to be with her friends, and she, she was hesitant, skeptical about this whole all things Christian. And this was a conference of Catholic Christian youth, okay, Catholic youth that were, that were meeting for two or three days in this football stadium. She said, I went in there, and I sat on that thing. She's telling this, this is what, 2021, she's telling this that happened in 1974 like it was yesterday, like it was yesterday. She said, I went in there, and, 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 the, and the place was, was, was full, and they were singing. They were singing. They, they just were, and it was praises. They were singing praises, just thousands of these students just lifting their voices and singing. And she was impressed by that, not really knowing where all that was supposed to go, but just, boy, these people are really into it, and look how many of them there are, and it sounds pretty good. When she goes home that evening, and the next morning to go again, they look outside and it's pouring down rain. And the, the forecast was that it was to be just a torrential downpour all that morning. And this was, I think, probably the closing day. She said to her friend, we're not, we're not going now, right, because it's raining. And the friend said, oh, yes, we are. We're going. We're going. This is an outdoor football stadium. They get there and thousands of others were there too. They were afraid of lightning strikes, so they had to have one guy, maybe with a bullhorn or something, just hollering, and this is what he said, let's ask the Lord to stop the rain. 
Let's ask the Lord to stop the rain. She said, after that instruction, the whole place started asking the Lord to stop the rain. They were praying out loud, praying over each other, praying with each other, Lord, stop the rain. She said, I don't know when, I don't know how long, but she said, I'm telling you, the rain stopped and the cloud parted (laughs) and we got to finish the conference. And she said, I, as a result of that, opened my heart up to the Jesus who could do something like that in my life. As a college student, she met a, a guy from Sweden They moved to San Antonio, and they'd been pastoring a church on the south side for about 30 years. But she told that story like it was yesterday. Jesus would say, and i got to finish with this. Jesus would say, truly, truly, I say to you, he or she who believes in me, the works that I do, shall she or he do also. If you understand, that you are blessed and highly favored. You will step into situations that come your way when the enemy is ravaging people, when he's stealing, killing, and destroying. There are situations that need to have breakthroughs. There are needs that need to be met. And you will find yourself and say, well, let me see if I can get you to the church. You are the church. You're it. You're there. The spirit of the living God dwells in you, and you are blessed, and you are highly favored. Jesus was able to conduct, do the miracles that he did because in the sight of God, he was blessed and highly favored. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, the works that I do as the highly favored, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, the works that I do shall you do also. And greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. Folks, if you and I really believe that we are blessed and highly favored, why don't we act like it? You say, I got to get them in the church. Got them in the church. Paul would go out nearly by himself many times. Others would, sometimes too, but they often find themselves alone or by themselves. But it didn't mean that Jesus wasn't there. It didn't mean that they couldn't open their mouth and pray. Folks, I think sometimes we get this, you know, convoluted. I don't know if God's going to speak. Will he speak in King James English, whether so much, whether they're King James English? Or will it just be that in your knower, in your knower, you're going to sense that there's something you're supposed to do or there's something you're supposed to say? I'm telling you, the enemy can have us check out, fix it so we check out on taking advantage of the responsibilities where he puts us because we're not really believing that we are blessed and highly favored. But this will change things between now and dark, today, if it settles in on you. I'm no new kid on the block to the Lord. He chose me before the foundation of the world. He set his love on me. And he's called me, he called me unto himself. And he has me located in the positions that I'm in in my life so that I may bear witness to who he is, to his grace, to his mercy, to his power. Do that one more time. Say this with me. I am blessed and highly favored. Say it again. I am blessed. And highly favored. Not because of my grade point average. Not because of my ethnicity. Not because of which part of the town I live in. I am blessed and highly favored because of the love of God in Jesus for me. Amen. So frame your prayers. Frame your asking. Like you believe that. Just, I wish I had a picture of that little Silas. He's about that tall and almost that round, you know. Mo, 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 and here comes Pops or here comes Nana. We're going to go 
Our resources are at his disposal until about the 10th cookie, and then we'll figure out something else. All right? Blessed and highly favored. I am blessed. You know something ought to be real good? That's true, the Lord's speaking that to you. But there's somebody significant in your life, maybe several somebodies, that you ought to look in the eye and say, I want you to know from, from where I'm coming from, from my heart, you were blessed and you were highly favored. Do that. Husbands, do that. Wives, do that to your kids. You were blessed, and you were highly favored. Now, that's saying that knowing that the silence in your life may push the envelope a little bit farther. You're going to have to have mercy, right? But it doesn't mean because they do something that disappoints you that they automatically remove from that place of being blessed in your eyes and highly favored in your that's not who they are. What they did is not who they are. It's what they did, but who they are is who you see them to be, who you believe them to be by the power of Jesus at work in the hearts. Okay, that's, that's enough of the granddaddy stories. You all have to give equal time. Let's stand together if we could. And the streaming family, we bless you. Thank you for being a part of the time together today. We, we just pray that what we sense the Lord doing in this room, he's also doing in your your bedroom or your truck or wherever, you, wherever you'd be. You're a part of us. You're a part of us. We're here to pray. My prayer partners, if you'll just begin to make your way to the front, if we can pray with you. Something about this that just, you just need someone to stand with you in prayer to help you. But the enemy lies, and he's relentless in his lies, and he tells a lie like it's a truth. He knows how to, to make us believe something. But when what we have felt runs contradictory to what the Word says. We, we need to choose the Word. This is the truth. This is the truth. You are blessed and highly favored because of Jesus. Pastor Walker at AlamoCity.org, if there's something that we can pray with you about, streaming family, please let us hear from you, and we will get right on it. We love to hear back from you when there's been a breakthrough, when there's been an answer, there's been movement. So please... Please let us know how that's going as well. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for every brother and sister, every child of God who's a part of these, these moments together. Speak it to us, Lord. Convince us, convince us by your Spirit that in your eyes, because of what Jesus has done for us, we are blessed and highly favored. In the name that is above every name, would you say his name with me? The name Jesus. The name Jesus. The name Jesus. Amen. Please come this way if we can pray with you and for you. God bless you. We'll see you. We'll see you next time. All right? Bless you. God bless you.